0: Hi, I'm Laura. Hey,
1: I'm Stefan, and you're listening to Attributed, a podcast library by Dream Data.
0: The purpose of it is to store and share all the knowledge that we have gathered across DreamData employees through our LinkedIn lives, podcasts, and webinars.
1: The typical topics you'll find here can be stuff like marketing, sales, B2B ads,
0: operations,
1: social selling,
0: maybe. Well, for whoever okay. does not know who Robin is, he is. One of the most exciting people to talk with in Denmark. And it's not a joke. Because, like, if I imagine a party I would like to arrange of people, you would be one of the people who has to be in the party. And it's like, like, (laughs) do you get that a lot? Like, that people really (laughs) want to talk with you all the time?
1: Well, I I feel so honored. I mean, like, being on the party list, is no small feat, you know? (laughs) i mean i always think like barack obama would be cool you know in denmark in okay 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 i get i get it i get it thank you thank you <laughs>
0: but the fun fact is so robin and I, I have been following you forever but the first time i met you was in london and we did the mm-hmm. run you joined our run and i was crazy surprised this robin oh you speak Danish. She says, yeah, you I <laughs> was like, what? <laughs> so you are, you could be a spy, not just I could
1: be, I could be. <laughs> it's
0: like, yeah. So Robert, before we're yes. going to dig into everything you've experienced and so on, give sure. a little intro how you do the elevator pitch about yourself at a party.
1: <laughs> um, well first of all i love the hat by the way i'm like i really had to up my hat game i mean i have some cool shades that i usually post pictures of you know yeah. on linkedin but but that hat is, is next level i love it um yes yeah, so i mean i was i was born and raised in denmark and uh but i've always been a nerd and so when i was 21 i ended up buying a one-way ticket to california i didn't have a job or a place to stay i didn't know a single person i just I just had this kind of burning desire that I didn't want to look back on my life and regret not having the courage to follow my heart. I've always been driven by like wanting to make a difference in the world. And I love how technology kind of can change and impact the way that we work and the way that we live and just kind of like has such a positive impact on our world. I mean, I, don't get me wrong, there's, there's some, some downsides to it as well. But overall, I think it's, it's a net positive. Um, and I flew over there on February 1st, 2000 and uh, didn't have a job. As I said, I just uh, applied to every company I could find on Craigslist, this like, really dorky website, which is still around. It hasn't changed for like I think 30 years. And I ended up, because this was at the height of the dot-com era, and I knew how to code, I ended up getting a couple of job offers. And I took a job at a startup in Silicon Valley. And a month after I got there, the whole economy crashed. And I'm like, whoa, holy shit. And so this company, this startup company with like 30 people did not end up making it. So six months later, I was out of a job. And then I hustled my way to another job, and I found another one. And then four months later, that company also went, you know, under. It's kind of like I got laid off from there. And so the first year was really tough. And I mean, it's so funny how life works. When you, if you zoom in on just that period, I would look like an abject failure, right? You know, like oh, the first two companies, you didn't make it, or they didn't make it. What a bad choice, and so on. But then when you zoom out over the, the last 20 years, I luckily had a, a more hits than I had, you know, failures. I worked early days at Salesforce and came into Box and helped uh, IPO that company, and then I was. A small startup in Silicon Valley. Then of course, I was at LinkedIn, which is a massive company that I use and all you use and know every day. And then I went to WeWork, which is amazing, but an abject failure also in many ways, you know, and then I, I took the last company. I was at. But long story short is I met my wife in 2001 in California. We got married in 2003. And maybe I don't know if it's about being Danish or maybe uh, being progressive or what it is, but I always felt like this idea that women should lose their name and kind of like the this idea that the patriarchy's name is stronger in some ways so i just felt antiquated so in 2003 i took her last name so i don't sound danish like I, if you think about like i get this question a lot, like you don't sound danish at all i'm like no i, I don't have a danish name because i took her name daniels it used to be Gertsen, by the way which is a horrible name and i don't sound danish when i speak i sound like a california dude in many ways um and so, but I took her name because, yeah, because I, I felt it was the right thing to do, the progressive thing to do. I wanted to create a, I want to have a world that's where we're all like equal and doing things for the right reasons. But it was also selfishly, I wasn't close to my my the family name itself. I mean, my parents got divorced when I was six years old and I lived with my mother and but she had a different name. So I didn't have a strong relation to the Gertzen name, which is my my dad's name. And and, and we got closer towards the end of his life and he died many years ago, but it was never close to that name. But when I met my wife and her family, I just like I felt really close to them, and I loved her and her family, and and I wanted to be a part of that. So, That's
0: amazing! And you're back in Denmark
1: right now. With back in
0: <laughs> is, but not close to us. are back in It's Africa. so funny.
1: It's so funny being back because I don't I don't speak Danish work wise very well. So I always speak socially. I speak Danish fine, right? But um, Cause, but, but the technology, language is like technology, it gets outdated very quickly. So when I speak Danish, my friends always make fun of me. It's like, oh, this is how, what we said 25 years ago. I sound so antiquated, so uncool. Uh, so at work, I always try to speak English. And I always say, oh, even when I go give presentations at companies, I've been I, luckily I get invited to speak it a lot of differently. I always say, I'll do it if I can do it in English. I, I never do it in Danish. I just, I'm just not comfortable enough in Danish. S- speak on stage. You know? okay.
0: So yeah. in two days, I'm going to calling. On Thursday, mm. I'm giving mm. a presentation in the marketing camp in
1: Danish. Oh, so you're so hardcore! You're so the hardcore! The first
0: time I'm going to do this, like on the Can stage just, of 500 you, people. You,
1: you are badass. I mean, I, that would terrify me. And I feel like I'm decent at public speaking, but that that would terrify me to no end.
0: <laughs> oh no, we'll see. We'll see how it works. Okay, so we're gonna dig into. How to choose companies to work for what are the successes and i really really loved your post today about the culture answer we're going yeah. to speak about that as well because well we've got robin for a 30 minutes party let's use that time huh okay so your career story started mostly in california now you're back yes. in denmark so when choosing the companies to work for what did you look for in companies?
1: Yeah, so um, I, for for me, there's really three core elements that I think are non-negotiables that I always think about. And it's, it's gotten clearer over time for me. And it, there's nothing wrong. At some point in your life, you might chase money or a title or more responsibility. There's nothing wrong with that, right? But I think those are like short-term things that will give you maybe short-term pleasure, honestly, or short-term happiness. I don't think long-term... You don't wake up every day thinking about the title you have or how much money you're making and so on. And again, don't get me wrong. They are important, but they're not like the, the end all be all. I think for me, there are really kind of three things that are super important. Number one is, do they have a mission that I believe in that I can get excited by? And I'll tell you a story. So I, I after I went from Box, I joined a company called Vera, which is a cybersecurity company. We were doing like encryption around documents, very related to Box, Dropbox, and so on. Basically... And the moment a file, if I send you a link to a Dropbox or a box file, the moment you download it, I have no idea what you're doing with. So the idea was let's add on security encryption to that document so I can trace it anywhere it goes. Makes sense, lots of need for it. And I worked there for like two and a half years. But the last six months or so of that, my time that yeah, we grew it from, I was employee number eight. We were, we, and I got funding. We scaled it to like 120 people, over 10 million in ARR. So it was good, good, good run. But the last six months of, uh, after two years, I kept waking up every day just like, just not excited by this mission i'm on i mean like the world needs cyber security and god bless the people who created i'm just not personally excited. i was tired of because so much of it's based on fear or doom and gloom and like protecting you know yourself and like and, and i was going to these conferences i remember there's like these old cranky white dudes talking about hackers or more scenarios and i'm just like oh this is this is not And i come from an environment with Salesforce and boxers around collaboration and making, getting humans to be the best version of themselves. And so on. I, so I left, but that's where mission to me is so important. I mean, it's very hard. I think doing the best work of your life when you wake up every day and you're not excited about what you do. So that's number one. Number two is, um, make going to a place where you really can make a difference where it's clear that you can make so so the way I came into this company LMS 365 there's many reasons I ended up here but I went for a run with the CEO Rasmus you know I like running if that's not clear yet right so we went for a run and during that like hour run, it was mostly him talking, and he just basically told me all the things that were not going so well, that needed to get fixed, and things we could do better, and so on. I mean, obviously if the company's done well, or else I wouldn't have joined. Like yeah. they're they're hitting it on many many fronts, but there's I like coming in and being able to make a difference. That's just my style. There's some people who like to come in and tweak and optimize and make things incrementally better, and then there are people I think at the other end of the spectrum who come in and like do bigger things and kind of try new things and some of it works and some of it doesn't work I, I just like a place, go to a place where I can really make a difference where it's so clear to me so I said after that run to rest, I'm like this is awesome I would love to I'd love to like, join you on this journey so number two is like impact and that's different scales and for different reasons you know, and it doesn't mean it's easy but it, it's very fulfilling for somebody like me and then number three is um, it's around culture and people it's like I just don't want to work with assholes I'm just like I've worked with enough in my time at it. luckily I work with a lot of good people but I also work with a lot of uh, jerks so after I left Vera, this company in 2017, I was really wanting to get back into working with something that I believed in, but also just an environment that I think was much more exciting. So I spoke, I was speaking deeply with four companies. It was Asana, LinkedIn, Airbnb, and Uber. And we were pretty like deep in these. And I love all of them for different wow. reasons. They all, I, they're all they all like amazing companies. And I felt like so lucky to, to like be able to chat with them and, and be engaged with them. But I remember going into the Uber office and everyone in there, Just seemed kind of stressed, Mm -hmm. and they have frowny faces, and a lot of tension in the air. Nobody, there was no laughter or joy, and Mm -hmm. I just remember leaving, going, and this was before the scandal hit and all that kind of stuff. Back in I think twenty seventeen or eighteen, I can't remember, but a couple of years ago. I just remember leaving going like, you can't pay me enough to work in an environment. Like this is just doesn't feed my soul and what I'm looking for. And when I went into Asana or Airbnb or LinkedIn, everyone's like happy and high fiving each other, hugging each other. And just like this this environment of camaraderie and collaboration and laughter and joy. And I'm like, this is kind of what I want. of course I ended up going to LinkedIn because LinkedIn is a platform that's just changed my life. I mean, it was so exciting to join that ride. And, and it's, at that point in time, it was the biggest company I'd ever worked for. I think we were close to fifteen thousand uh, people. But I just like LinkedIn has transformed my relationships, my life. You know, people find me. Like I wouldn't have those opportunities if it wasn't for LinkedIn. It's just the truth, you know.
0: That's so so. <laughs> so anyway, so I
1: look for those three things. I look for mission, impact, and people. And then there's a lot of other smaller things. I mean, of course, I want to get paid well. I want to be yeah. successful. Want a company that's growing. But those three are non-negotiables to me.
0: So cool. My next question actually was like when you choose a company to work for mm. and it feels like it's kind of a match. But yes. what do you wait more money or culture? I got your answer. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I mean, it's definitely <laughs>
1: like,
0: Uber cannot pay enough for me to suffer. It's like is yes, there it, exactly. that they could pay you to stay or whichever company that's like, oh, this is like we know the culture is not that great. Mm-hmm. But if we get Robin, pay him really a lot of money and he would be the cultural person in there would you go
1: It's a great question. I don't think so. It's just not the way my mind works or the way I was kind of raised or like the the way I see the world. I mean, it might sound like a little (laughs) fatalistic, but I think life is just too short for this, you know? And I do know life is both short and long at the same time, which is kind of my right. But I just think, you know, I mean, the idea of waking up every day and not, and and kind of just being so, how am I going to do the best work of my life? If I'm just not enjoying what I'm doing, I just don't see that happening. I've actually been offered some decent roles and I just, and this, this is always something in me that goes like, no, this, this. I'm not. I've never been one chasing money. And to be clear, there's nothing wrong with with like chasing money if that's that's what you need. But when I'm at least lucky enough now, early in my career, of course, I was just doing whatever I could to survive. But now, when I have the opportunity to choose, a little bit, more picky, I feel honestly I have an obligation to choose something because I know that when people do great work, they unleash a creative force and energy. That I think that we need in the world to solve so many of the bigger macro issues, whether that's war or inequality or climate change or all these things that businesses have to solve a day and day. How are we supposed to solve this if we're not excited by showing up to work every day. It's just like, it, it blows my mind. So I know it's, it's a, it's a fortunate position to me. and I don't take it for granted, but because I have that option, I, I'm definitely not, not in the mind that I want to do it just when I'm said, I'm not an idiot either. Of course I want to make money. And like, because to me it's never money is never the outcome mm-hmm. to me. It's freedom. I grew up very poor and my parents were super hippies and I could see how much poverty, inhibited people from living the lives that they really wanted and so for me it's never been about money i think that's just a vehicle to freedom to me it's about i I don't want anybody in any part of my life telling me how to live or what to do i want to be able to have the freedom to kind of live the life on my terms you know and money is a way to get there for sure so there's nothing bad with money but it's not the it's not to have money just to have money i mean it's like how uninspiring is that (laughs) i think
0: love that and Benja has a question about yeah. similar stuff, but more about the failures. So, mm. what do you see the commonalities between the projects or companies that attribute to failure? Yeah,
1: yeah, that's a great question. I mean, there's sometimes um, there's a failure. Of, I mean, there's so many different things. It's a gr- it's a really great question because sometimes it could be a failure of culture, of leadership, of purpose. So for example, let's take WeWork, which is a company that everyone knows. And, and, and you know, I came in and had the hype and the cycle of hype was going up, up and up. You know, I came in, it was 20 worth $20 billion and it became worth $47 billion. And then we were going towards an IPO and then it all came crashing down. And it was very painful. And there are many reasons for why that is. Of course, one of those was, was way too hyped. You know, now when you look back, it's easy to see. But at that point in time, you know, it wasn't as easy, easy to see. The way I got into this, I was working at, at LinkedIn is... Um, And they had actually started coming to me. We were asking me to, I know, if I wanted to be a part of this. And I'm like, I'm at LinkedIn. I'm very happy. They pay well. I love the culture and mission and all that stuff. And uh, they kept kind of coming back to me and like, hey, you know. And then I went out, two things happened. One, I was having a dinner with some CMO friends in San Francisco. And these were six CMOs CMOs from like Slack, Asana, some great companies out there that I really admired, some of my my very close friends. And we were just kind of like, we always would talk about companies we'd love to work for. And three of the CMOs, I'm not kidding, said that they, if they could choose any job, they would love to choose, be a CMO at Rework. And I just, I went, and go like, am I missing something? What, what am I missing? Like, because they've been, they asking me to come join. And so then I started thinking, like, maybe I should look into it. I started looking into it the culture and the vision. I'm like, oh, that's pretty exciting. And then second thing that happened was uh, they reached out and said, Adam Newman is going to be in town in San Francisco, and he'd love to meet with you. Can you spare an hour? I said, yes, for sure. I mean, like. Who am I to say no to that? So I met with them. It was just like very compelling. So, so that's how I got into it because of the vision and the culture and the mission we're on. Now, what I think failed from that is like, I think the, the ambition was was high. There's no doubt when you look back now, it was overinflated from evaluation. But that's just mm-hmm. one outcome. I think the other thing that happened is we were very good at selling, you know, office space masqueraded as something bigger than office space, right? It was really kind of you joining a movement of something that was a little bigger than yourself, like being part of something that wasn't just about work, but about, we want to create a different world for all of us where we're kind of in this together and so on. I, th- I think that was exciting. The moment when I reflect back personally on it, that we started talking about elevating the world's consciousness and it became so lofty. I think we started losing people from the core of the mission. Mm-hmm. And I think it was a failure, me and probably the rest of the leadership team of not being able to articulate really well what that new mission is. I think the way you get people in the market excited about what you do is you have a very clear vision that is easy to understand and you're able to directly connect your products to that vision. Well, so it's easy to, to connect, you know, selling office space to creating a world where people have more joy in their life. That's an easy yes. connection to make, but when the, the connection between selling office space to elevating the world's consciousness is like, I don't really what? know what that means, you know, what is that? And it's just like, and so I think we lost the connection a little bit between our vision and what we were actually offering to the world. So that was just one of those, there's many other reasons, but I think that's one. So the point of this one is, the narrative has to be so clear, both internally first, because everything, every change in the world starts with you getting your team and uh, employees excited by what you're doing. But if that even starts getting murky, then the market's just going to get way confused. Mm-hmm. And then, so I think we just, we started getting too confused about what our core purpose was. So that, that's just one example. Um, another example, when I look back on some of the other companies that I've been at that maybe have not succeeded as much, it's probably been around, um, let me think. And honestly, a lot of macro conditions or market being saturated. When I think back on like one of my early days and I want a company that failed, I worked at a, I worked for a Swedish company, that two-factor authentication in 2005. And they were doing like two-factor authentication on mobile devices. And honestly, they were just a little bit ahead of the market. The market was not mm-hmm. ready for two-factor authentication because phones weren't good enough. So it was kind of a kludgy user. Experience. The vision of like using your phone as an authentication device, I think made a lot of sense, but the market was not ready for it. And we ended up, not succeeding really as a company so there, there's many facts it's hard to like say there's one common thread yeah. that goes through it all
0: and usually it would be so difficult to figure this out mm-hmm. before you're actually in the company because course, oh inflated we work oh everybody wants mm-hmm. to be there wants to be the cmo all my friends are saying mm-hmm. okay oh, let me try this out mm-hmm. or two-factor authentication oh this is innovative i can definitely sell this totally,
1: totally. but
0: how would you distinguish you had both experiences in early stage startups mm-hmm. and the larger yes. ones so why choose one or the other in your career and what did it give
1: you yeah I'll, t- I'll tell you why it's um so so also just to 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 clarify so after I left wework I decided to speak to as many companies as I could could and luckily yeah, my network is decent so i I get introduced to a lot of cool entrepreneurs and founders and I, I have the spreadsheet I spoke to close to a hundred companies in a few months and it's just like it's not all of them wanted to hire me. just to be clear I'm not but it's just like, hey, you should to talk to Robin about branding or strategy or IPOs and get some advice. So it's a lot of like giving advice. And some of those conversations would turn into, hey, are you interested in joining and so on? But I spoke to close to 100 companies and I still have that list. And it's so funny looking back to all the companies I spoke to. And I ended up, of course, joining Matterport and then we went public you know, about a year after I joined. And so, on. But I did not know that at the time, to be clear, which is also where... I mean, a little bit of like maybe it's subconscious pattern recognition because I'm older and I've done this for a while. Maybe it's a little bit of luck, of course. Right. But some of these companies are not around anymore. That's on the list. And some of them, you know, I thought we were going to when I joined Box, for example, in 2011, yeah, I was kind of talking to Aaron Levy, the CEO, and he's like uh, 12 to 18 months, we're going to go public. Uh, 36 months later we're still not public right so it took much longer and Matterport was kind of the reverse it was like uh, oh we're hoping for an IPO in the next three to four years Uh then of course COVID came and it accelerated the market and we ended up going public a year later so it's just like luck also honestly plays into it but maybe it's luck combined with right place right time right network pattern recognition and so on so in terms of like the the question around uh, what size company, so I've joined you know I joined Vera at eight employees Box and Matterport and now LMS 365 is around 200 employees, you know, each of these companies. Salesforce was about a thousand employees. And, wow. And we work in LinkedIn, we're about 10,000 each. You know, so maybe actually maybe Coaster is 15,000. And I've just come to the realization. I really, I thought when I was at an early stage startup, there was so much joy. I mean, like, even though I had the CMO title at Vera. I was doing everything. It was no other person, people than me. It was me and a bunch of engineers. So I was in there putting together IKEA furniture in the weekend and filling up the coffee, you know, uh, in the the break room and so on. And I loved it. It was kind of like so fun to be a part of that journey. Not to get to hire everything, but there's also a lot of like, when you're at that early stage, I mean, there's so many uncertainties, and I feel like always like you get take two steps forward and then you get punched in the face, you know, because product falls through or funding falls through or a customer gets pissed off or a person leaves your company. It's like everything just yeah. has amazing impact on you. Of course, at the opposite scenario scale, when you're at 15,000 employees, those mm-hmm. impacts are much less. So that was one experience. And it was really fun for, for where I was in my life because you really got to like do everything. Then when I went to WeWork, you know, the team was several hundred people at WeWork around the world and I was busier than ever. It was such a crazy, chaotic time. I was super intense. And I did everything and I did nothing, meaning that I was in meetings all day long, always guiding, unblocking, strategizing, giving feedback to team members. But actually, it was very little of me doing things myself, you know, because you have teams there, You have lots of people to actually go through the digital campaign or the brand campaign or whatever it is. So you're part of it, but you're not actually doing it, which is a very different way of operating. The reason I've liked this kind of like uh, scale up journey a lot, is just it's just right for me, so like you both get to lead and guide and strategy, but you also get to do a lot. I still like you know getting my hands into kind of the thick of things. And you come into a point where there is a culture, but you get to accelerate and kind of morph it into something even better, right? Because you have some good foundation to stand on, but you also get to like change it based on your experiences. And so at the early stage, I mean, there's really no culture. You're building it all. Right. And at this big scale, when I came into LinkedIn, my ability to impact change with over 10,000 people is minimal, honestly. Right. You know, I mean, and same at WeWork. I was, I mean, of course being senior, you can, but it's, um, it's just hard, but that, that's two, three, 400 people journey. It's super fun. You know, you kind of get to do it all. you get to lead. It's like a, it's the best of all worlds to me in, in some ways, you know, and, and there's still so much to do and fix and, and I think of it this way, there was one person who said to me when I joined LMS LMS C5, why are you joining this company? I've never heard of them. It uh-huh. seems like you should be joining something way more flashy. And I said, that's exactly why I'm joining it. Because I like to join a company that nobody's heard of. And then hopefully one day if I do my job, well, you've heard of this company, right? But but I mean, when you go into a company that's number one, if you go join Google or Apple or Facebook, there's nothing wrong like that. Great on your resume. But those companies have been number one. Not all, they, all they can go they're all they're doing is defending their position all day long yeah. because they're already at the peak, right? I like getting to the peak. I think that's super fun, that journey.
0: <laughs> so cool. Given the experiences you've got, are there any of the experiences at the job that you took you would not like to repeat?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, one thing that I became really clear on is um, I like being with people. Like, so for when I was at Matterport with, for the last two years, you know, during COVID, I joined right in March 2020, and I was there just about two years or so. And ex- you know, objectively, we successfully took the company public and we scaled the company, but I want, never once met my team. And of course, mm-hmm. it's COVID and so on, but it was just honestly, I lacked the joy of being together. And I don't need to see people every day. I still work kind of 50 50 or part time remotely and so on, which I quite like when I need to do people. But I just had the realization personally that I like, being with people like the idea of me just sitting hundred percent in front of a screen by myself is not for me. I'm hundred percent certain. This is just not, doesn't fit with my character, my personality, the way I like to lead. I think, again, there's some things like you and I know each other. So you and I can actually easily have a virtual call, but when you're trying to get to know people, I feel like it's much harder, honestly. And i just like, again, for leadership roles, for certain roles, certain jobs, I think it's just it's just hard. But, but there are other roles that are they're imminently imminently perfect for. But I've just had the realization it's just not for me. I like being with people. So this idea of just like 100% remote work, I did not want to join a company that was 100% remote. I wanted to have the opportunity to see people. That's that's one thing. And then the second thing is, is uh, it's really just about I would say culture. I've been in some cultures. I feel like when I look back, that were not very joyful. I'll give you an example. So when I came into Box. 200 people. We were doubling in size, and it was so fun. Aaron Levy is one of the best, I think, CEOs of our time, and he was just like so caring and thoughtful, and had such a growth mindset about always becoming a better version of himself. And we were scaling, so we're hiring a lot of people very quickly. And I felt like the culture. And I said this to him when I left the company: the culture has gone from we have all these big challenges, which you always do as a startup. I'm sure you do as well. You have these big challenges, and we would go into a conference room and we talk about how we could solve them together. And when i left we were about a thousand people and i was like we would have these big challenges and we'd go into a conference room and we talk about who's not doing their job or who's to blame and i just like it doesn't feel like a culture that supports each other trusts each other develops like the right uh, operating rhythm or culture or alignment it's just, it's just not something that inspired me i'm like how are you supposed to again, coming back to doing the best work of your life if you feel like you're constantly on guard for what people think about you or do yeah. like has to be an implicit trust. So I look for that in companies a lot. And it's hard to suss out, to be clear. It's not an easy thing to like check for. So luckily right now there's, you can back channel, there's online resources. You can, I used to have a hack that I used to, but it's harder nowadays with remote work. I used to go in to a company in an office and I used to come in and it's a little dorky, maybe because I'm Danish, but I would show up 30 minutes or an hour before to just see how people interact. I mean, it's like back to my Uber example. Yeah see how people engage with each other and talk to each other and like what kind of vibe there is it just it just matters a lot to me it really does
0: (laughs) i I, well going back to the remote work we had a conversation Mm. about that with our cto when we were at Mm. inbound and if you're moving the whole company fully remote Mm -hmm. like one thing that san francisco and american companies were moving away and saying oh fully remote let's listen to the employees and so Mm -hmm. on are very likely to lose out on is the innovation Mm -hmm. that is sparked when people Mm -hmm. work together if you don't know the person in front of you well let's say i'm your colleague you have no idea Mm -hmm. how i am how i think or what ticks then we would not Mm -hmm. be able to create cool stuff together and i totally like adhere to that. I love coming to the office. I love like seeing how like weird some of the colleagues are, how some of them are totally focused (laughs) and you know how to operate and build something all together.
1: I'm so aligned with that. I also think there's, I advise a company called Radius. Uh, Amina, she's an incredible CEO. She's creating basically like the Airbnb, but for kind of remote work in some ways. And she always says, remote does not mean that you're by yourself. That's also, I think, something to distinguish is the idea that, you know, I can work remotely, but I can still, like, sometimes I go and have coffee in a coffee shop with some employees. It doesn't mean being in an office, but I just the idea, it's like, being together, I think, is so important when you're building culture or you're brainstorming ideas or you're coming up with new things. I think it's hard. Of course, when, when COVID hit, right, like many people, I was all, like, hybrid work is the way of the future, and I still believe it could work, but I've also come to the, my personal belief is that it's probably one of the harder ones to make work. I think the other options are actually better. meaning either you decide to be 100% remote where everyone's on equal footing, you have no office, and maybe you get together once every quarter or once a year and so on, like some more social gatherings, but everyone's remote. But then it has some downsides, like to your point, what you said. Or you say, we're in office first, but you're an adult. You can, Laura, if you need to work, from home once or twice a week, go for it. I mean, you, as long as you deliver yourself, who cares where you work? But we do have an office and you can come in when you need to and we can be, but we expect you to be there sometime. I think those two modalities to me feel like more successful because I hear a lot from CEOs as well. They're, they're really worried about this inequality when you have a hybrid, when it's half yeah. and half and some yeah. are in, some are not. You lose yeah. out on some of the cultural, I think, uh, connectivity, which is so important for creating greatness in companies.
0: And it's a perfect segue for your post of the day about the culture. <laughs> anchor. Talk me through that and how you think about it and who do you usually see that person in?
1: Yeah, I mean, this uh, it's a a great question. I think uh, my experience is that there are some people in a company who help lift each other up uh, every single day. It's easy when times are good. And they're so important when times are not great. And there are always going to be times when things do not go well. And having that person is just like such a force multiplier. I mean, they're worth 10x probably the value of what you give them that person. I mean, it's hard to quantify, but it's just like, because they give everyone a reason to show up every day. The cultural anchor is so much more important than truly the high performer. Oftentimes, this is where I think about, we oftentimes as businesses, it's one of the personal missions I'm on. is I want to change the way that we reward the work that people do. meaning. I think right now we just reward outcomes. So it doesn't really matter how you get there. As long as you deliver great results, you can be as much of an asshole as you need. And I hate that. I don't, that's not the world I want to live in. I've seen too much of that. I'd much rather create a world where we are actually also reporting the inputs and the outputs. Meaning, I think inputs are the way that you show up every day. The energy, enthusiasm, conviction, excitement that becomes a force multiplier for everyone around. is so important and should be rewarded. And if not, I think you're rewarding the wrong behavior. And guess what? Those things are things that you control 100%. Doesn't mean it's easy, Mm-hmm. To be clear, but you can. So Laura, when you show up to work every day, you control your mindset, your attitude, your energy. But it's hard. If you had a shitty day, you had argued with your partner, or some jerk cut you off in the car, It's so many things, and it doesn't change the fact I think that you control it anyway. So we should reward people who show up. I think with that kind of like way of lifting each other because it's so important. And the other thing I think you control. 100% is the output that you do, meaning like, are you putting out a marketing campaign that you're proud of? Are you putting out a good sales program? Are you putting an HR policy that we're, we think is like amazing and so on? All this stuff actually we control, but the outcome of some of these, when we finally release the sales program, the marketing campaign, whatever it is, we actually don't control. It. Now, it's not an application, I think, of not having goal-oriented outcomes or, or, or outcome-oriented goals. Because of course, the better input and the better output you have, the more you're gonna to hit your goal. So if your goal is to, let's say, hit 100 million in ARR and revenue for the next year, well, the better input you have, the, the better team environment, the more energy and conviction and work that you put into it, you're gonna be more likely to hit it. The better output you have, the quality you stand by, the game changing, you're gonna, you're gonna have a better chance of hitting. So you're gonna put yourself on a trajectory of hitting that much better. But my point is, you can't control the outcome 100%. Anybody who tells you so, I think it's full of it right and so so, but we live in a world that only focuses on outcome that's so the only thing we focus on and so the cultural anchors coming back to your question are so important to getting to better outcomes if you want the greatest outcomes you got to create an environment where people want to show up every day and the cultural anchor in your team and we all have them we all have these people we look at and go wow the energy when they that people show up in the office is amazing because the reverse is also, also true you have probably people when they show up you're like oh, it's, a heavy, it's a little heavy you know it's, it's like we we all have those right and so the cultural anchor really makes a difference. I want to reward and talk about them a lot more.
0: And I think for each and every company, it would be also important just to speak about that part. How do you mm-hmm. show up? Not it doesn't, you don't have to be the cultural anchor, but as no. long as you show up with the most positive yourself that mm-hmm. you would like to leave a good feeling for other people inside mm-hmm. of the company. Right. Nobody wants to work with an asshole. If you left That's right. the your work today and somebody thinks you're an asshole that might be that you ruined that person's day as well. <laughs> it's like don't,
1: exactly. do don't
0: be that person. Just right. Like right. leave it better than than you met the person. <laughs> that's that's,
1: kind that's of so, a, it's so true. It's so true.
0: Yeah. I love that. Love that a lot. Robin, you are a gift. <laughs> really. It's so nice to talk to you. And I will finish this off with A story. So I was biking back where I was biking back from, from a run. Yes, of course, from a run. I was biking (laughs) back from a run that we were running with contract book from the meatpacking district. Mm -hmm. And I'm biking down as tech barbecue during that day. I was not a part of it but I can see Rasmus walking, your CEO. I was like, oh, I need to say hi to him. I just stopped over and said, like, oh, hi, Rasmus. I just wanted to say hi. I never met him before, really. But I saw him from your LinkedIn post. Like, hey, Rasmus, like, what a cool hire you did. Like, how's it going with Robin? Like, yeah, so it's really amazing. Like We were growing really nicely, like 5 to 10% every year with a very happy and very successful. And then we found Robin and he says, this is not good enough how can we do 2x, 3x, 5x, and let's make a plan for that? answer. Oh, okay. So we're going like, we're sitting down into his rocket now. So he's happy. Everybody's just really happy to have you.
1: I appreciate you talking. I've not heard that story before, but I, I appreciate it. I mean, but this is all about just assembling a team of amazing people who want to do this. And this is like, this is what it feels like my life mission. I decided so happy when I met you. I mean, you and I share a lot of energy. I mean, I think you have like next level energy. And, you know, it's just like amazing having those people around because it, it inspires me every day. Really, it's like I can learn and grow. It's like just by being around people who just make me think bigger and differently about things. So, so cool.
0: Let's finish off with that. We hope you like listening to us. Subscribe to our podcast and the ones that we have been guests on.
1: And if you have any feedback for us, uh, just do let us know. And should there be a guest that you think we should be talking to, then like pitch us. We're looking forward to seeing you.